0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oregon football won its first game of the season in dominant fashion against Portland State. But the Ducks' first true test of the 2023 season still looms as they prepare to hit the road to face Texas Tech in Week 2. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon football and recruiting. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, and we are coming to you with another episode of The Oregon Rundown. Oregon's first test of the 2023 season looms this week as the Ducks get ready to hit the road to travel to Lubbock, Texas to face the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Reporters got to speak with Oregon head coach Dan Lanning on Monday evening in his weekly press conference, and they got a number of updates as Lanning gave his final review of the 81-7 win over the Portland State Vikings in Week 1 and started to turn the page and the team's attention to week two against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So we're going to get into a number of the most notable updates from Lanning's Monday night press conference. I'll give you guys some quotes and some stats, and then give you my thoughts and analysis on the new updates emerging out of Eugene as the Ducks get ready to face Texas Tech in the headliner of their 2023 non-conference schedule. So... A couple of quick notes here as the Ducks get ready to hit the road. This week, we got uh, some information about how to watch the Ducks, how to listen to the Ducks this week as they travel to Lubbock to face former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck, who is now the starting quarterback for the Red Raiders of the Big 12 Conference. As we know, Texas Tech, they didn't get the start that they wanted in 2023 as they hit the road to face the wyoming cowboys and lost 35 to 33 in double overtime crazy game out there in laramie but oregon has a win going into this game and texas doesn't so oregon has momentum on their side and let's see what else we know about this matchup and got a little bit of um a little bit of information about this week's game. So Oregon's game against Texas Tech will kick off on Saturday, September 9th, 2023 at about 4:10 p.m. Pacific at Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas. If you can't if you aren't going to be at this game in the Lone Star State, you can watch it at home on Fox or with your buddies having a couple brews and some of your favorite uh favorite barbecue grilled meats. Or chips you know whatever your snack of choice is i personally like to have a snapple if if possible <laughs> snapple sponsor me or uh, i like to have some some good chips and dip and maybe a burger watching the games but the interesting thing about oregon's the broadcast for oregon's week two game against texas tech former oregon head coach mark helfridge will be on the call as the color analyst For Fox and Mark Followell will be doing the play by play. So that was just an interesting note that kind of caught my attention. And I was out as I was turning my attention to this week's game against Texas Tech. Mark Helfrich, not, uh, I mean, not, not that he had a bad career at Oregon. He was a really, really good OC. And then once he got promoted to head coach, things, Things didn't didn't uh, fall off by any means. I think when you take a team to the national championship, like Helfridge did with the Ducks in 2014, a game they eventually lost to the Ohio State Buckeyes. That was definitely a tough one. But after that, they were tasked with following up from that season. And they did pretty well with Vernon Adams Jr. at quarterback. But then things really fell off in 2016 when they went four and eight and Helfridge ended up getting fired to be succeeded by Willie Taggart. So Mark Helfrich, former Oregon head coach, will be on the call for Oregon versus Texas Tech. So kind of the biggest thing that we want to open up today's show with, today's episode of the Oregon Rundown. If you guys are watching on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel and do the same if you're listening on your podcasting platform of choice. Five-star reviews or reviews of any kind are greatly welcomed and encouraged on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. But what we're going to start today's episode with is an injury update. How healthy are the Ducks as they prepare to face Texas Tech this week? A number of Ducks didn't see the field in the Week 1 win over Portland State. A number of them including Nishad Struther, Justin Jacobs, and Evan Williams. Noah Whittington did play for one kickoff, but... Reports are that he got hit pretty hard and we didn't see him the rest of the day. So Lanning was asked about guys that missed action on Saturday and he uh, specifically Strother, Justin Jacobs, and Evan Williams. And he said, quote, yeah, I'm not going to talk about any injured guys. Whoever we're going to roll in there with at Texas Tech, we're going to roll in there with. Feel good about progress with those guys though, And quote. So not a surprise to hear Lanning not talk a whole lot about those guys. He hasn't really been as is any coach, very keen to sharing injury information, but I guess if we're going to take anything away from that quote is that he feels good about the progress with those guys, and then the Ducks did hold practice that was, uh, part of it was open to the media today on Tuesday, and I did some reading over on Ducks Wire, which is led by my good buddy Zach Neal. Uh, He was on the podcast last week for our previewing and predicting Portland State episode, so I read Zach's practice report from Tuesday, and there were there were some positive developments. Noah Whittington was in full pads. Justin Jacobs was in full pads, but he was in trainers and carried cleats into practice and was limited during the portion of practice that was open to the media. Evan Williams was in full pads and looks like he is going to be a full go. At least he was, I should say, a full go in practice on Tuesday. He had a heavy wrap on his right hand, and I do remember seeing some pictures of him from that game on Saturday where it almost looked like he was playing with a big club, which I think his brother Bennett did uh, during one point of his Oregon career. So that's a, an interesting little side note. But Evan Williams projects to be a big part of this secondary for Chris Hampton and Dan Landing, Tosh LePoy in 23. So, they definitely want to have him back when they face a really strong passing attack uh, led by Tyler Shuck and the Red Raiders. Mace Funa was a full go on Tuesday, according to Zach, didn't play against Portland State tight end Casey Kelly. The old Miss transfer was a full go today. He didn't play versus Portland State either. And then Chris Hudson, veteran wide receiver for the Ducks, was a full go, but he didn't play after not playing against Portland State. So... This is really all you can ask for if you're Oregon going into your week two game with a pretty clean bill of health. I think for those headliners, Nishad Strother, Justin Jacobs, and Evan Williams, and then Noah Whittington as well. I think that if, if anything was kind of close or there were any concerns there in week one, it makes sense to hold those guys out. Clearly the Ducks didn't really need them if they got that 81-7 to win for, I want to say, the largest margin of victory in the history of the Oregon football program. So the Ducks are looking fairly healthy as they head into week two against the Red Raiders. The offensive line looked pretty solid, right? Anytime you put up the numbers that the Ducks did in uh, week one, I think that you can be pretty happy with where things lie with your offensive line. But that that said, they haven't really been tested yet. No group on this team has really been tested yet. But the Ducks did rack up a ton of yards in this game. They ran for 348 yards on the ground and they threw for 381 yards through the air. Don't believe that Bonix was sacked at all in that game. So the offensive line is off to a strong start under Alik Terry, Mike Cavanaugh, Cutter Leftwich, and the rest of that offensive line staff out there in Eugene. Uh, other note that we kind of added from Zach's practice report So, Justin Jacobs was limited, as was defensive lineman Popo Amavai, defensive lineman Taki Taimani, and true freshman outside linebacker, edge rusher Tatum Tuioti. He's a guy who has generated a ton of buzz since his early enrolling at Oregon, and he is someone who's coached really, really well uh, at the high school level playing for Sheldon. We all know, of course, that his dad, Tony Tuioti, is Oregon's defensive line coach on Dan Lanning's staff, so... Maybe if he's healthy and ready to go in week two, he could be contributing a little bit for Oregon as they face the Texas Tech Red Raiders and look to slow down that offense that Joey McGuire helped build in Lubbock. Our second item on today's episode of the Oregon Rundown from Dan Lanning's Monday night press conference. He was asked about what stands out about Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Shuck, who is as experienced as they come. And this is what Dan Lanning had to say, quote, well, I mean, first of all, he's a winner, right? The games he started last year, they won. I think that he's had a lot of success in that system. They've learned how to use his talents well. Probably doesn't get enough credit as a runner. He can actually take off and, you, and make some plays with his feet. He did that sometime this past game for them. He, he really distributes the ball well and understands their system. This system requires the quarterbacks to get him Into the right checks, make the adjustments, communicate with wideouts and the backs of what's actually going on. He does a good job of that. So to bring in some more context for Lanning's comments about Shuck, in the week one loss to Wyoming, Tyler Shuck was 31 for 47 for 338 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And then he also contributed in the ground game a little bit with 15 carries for 36 rushing yards. So not a great line, but not terrible by any means. I think what stands out to me from reading that is the fact that he was asked to throw the ball almost 50 times. So that definitely lends itself to Texas Tech being an air raid offense and being a group that's going to challenge you through the air, which is why I think this is going to be a great test for Oregon's overall defense and certainly the secondary In 2022, like we said, uh, they they did win the games that he played in, and he finished the year 106 for 177, which is a completion rating just below 60% at 59.89. He threw for 1,304 passing yards and seven touchdowns against four interceptions, carried the ball 72 times for 269 rushing yards and four touchdowns on the ground, so I don't think I would describe Tyler Shuck as a dual threat quarterback. That's not really what he makes his money off of. That's not kind of where he sets himself up, but he is a quality pocket passer. He's experienced. He's confident, even though they didn't get that win against Wyoming in week one, I'm watching these highlights and thinking back to the days when I was covering him at Oregon. And this guy looks like a completely different quarterback. He really does. And I think that he is another example of a guy who maybe just needed a new spot to have success in college football. Transferring from Oregon and Texas Tech, he really wasn't set up for success at Oregon. I think we've kind of realized that when we look back at the quarterback play under head coach Mario Cristobal with Joe Moorhead at the helm as the offensive coordinator and Marcus Arroyo as well, but more so recently with, with Cristobal and Moorhead. Oregon's quarterback play just hadn't been that great in the final years of the Crystal Ball era. Tyler Shuck didn't do that great. Anthony Brown certainly didn't have the the most success that we've seen from Oregon quarterbacks. A lot of the times when I saw Tyler Shuck playing at Oregon, it kind of felt like he was looking he looked like a deer in the headlights. He just didn't look like he was calm, collected, poised, confident. I think that's the key word that you really didn't see from Tyler Shuck when he was playing for the Ducks in Eugene. Well, shoot, you see him now a couple years later playing for the Red Raiders, and that dude is confident. I like how he's throwing with anticipation. He's throwing wide receivers open. He's accurate. He's got really good touch on his passes, so this looks like a completely different quarterback than we saw at Oregon. I'm not trying to say he's some Heisman-contending quarterback and he's the the next Joe Montana or, or the next anybody but this is a really good quarterback and he is obviously going to be at the centerpiece of Oregon's defensive game plan. If you're Tosh Lapoy, if you're Dan Lanning and the rest of this defensive staff. So he did, I think run the ball pretty well during his time at Oregon. And I like that Lanning mentioned that as part of his game, that maybe doesn't get enough credit. I think that Oregon was tested to a certain degree against Portland state with their quarterback being pretty mobile. And I don't think that Shuck is necessarily quite as mobile. Um, He's, more of that prototypical pocket passer quarterback. But the case in point is that you can't take this guy for granted when you look at his legs and his ability to hurt you on the ground. If you leave open space in this defense, if there's some holes, I think that Tyler Shuck's going to find them and exploit them, which is why this is also going to be a good test for Oregon's front seven, specifically guys like Jordan Burch, Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers. Maybe we see some more of Mateo Lele in this game. Mace Funa, guys like that, they're going to have to not only get pressure on the quarterback, but that's only half the battle, as we all know. Oregon hasn't done that great generating pressure, but just because you generate pressure doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a sack. You've got to get hits on the quarterback. You've got to finish plays. That's one of the things that was so frustrating to watch with this team a year ago, is that when they did generate pressure, they didn't always finish the play And that goes for more than just going after the quarterback. If you can create some penetration at the line of scrimmage on a run play, you got to bring down the ball carrier. So that's football 101. But case in point here is that Tyler Shuck might be a little bit more slippery than you would think as a quarterback in the backfield. And Tyler Shuck isn't exactly a small guy. He's six foot five, 230 pounds, and he's experienced. He's a senior who's played a lot of football. So he's certainly someone that Oregon is not going to be taking lightly. And if they can slow him down, I know that Dan Lanning was also talking about just the importance of affecting the quarterback and how you don't always do that just by getting sacks. Like I talked about, it's, it's getting hits on the quarterback, harassing him, pressuring him, uh, making him throw off platform, making him move and not stay uh, stagnant in the pocket. There's a lot of things that you can do, Uh, putting your arms up, in the in the passing lanes to knock down the ball at the line of scrimmage there's a lot of things that go into affecting the quarterback and that's what oregon's certainly going to have to do if they want to slow down tyler shuck in week two out in texas
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: The next topic on the Oregon rundown, our third item today, as we break down Dan Lanning's Monday press conference, he, Dan Lanning was asked about the challenge of slowing down Texas techs wide receivers. Cause that's going to be a huge part of Oregon's defensive game plan. And they have some pretty talented wide receivers and even a really good tight end. And, um, and Jaron Bradley, who's six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds, maybe he's actually just a wide receiver. But I know that they have some really good pieces in that passing attack that they're going to deploy. That Tyler Shuck's going to be throwing the ball to. Uh, the best performance from last week was Jaron Bradley, who caught eight passes for eighty-eight yards and had a touchdown. As did Miles Price. He had a touchdown, and so did Jaden York. So. Oregon's going to have their handful hands full with this receiving core that Texas Tech is going to be deploying on Saturday. But let's get back to what Dan Lanning had to say about the challenges of facing Texas Tech's wide receiver core. "Quote: They're certainly a bigger unit. They're some of the best when it comes to catching the ball with a guy near you, a guy near you, or on you. You know they do a good do- good job of attacking the ball. You see that a lot on their film. I think that's what's going to be quite the challenge for us." And they, again, the variety of ways they get the ball to their wideouts is unique. So you're talking about deep shots. You're talking about screens. You're talking about getting guys out in the flats over the middle. They're going to try to dice you up any way they possibly can. And this is also going to be a big challenge for Oregon's linebacker core. I think that's one of the biggest areas of improvement that you're looking for. If you're looking at this Oregon defense and ways they can grow from year one to year two, under Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy, this group has tons of talent, but how are they really going to look? What do they look like if Justin Jacobs is able to go? I think with him being in trainers on Tuesday, I think that you, you can kind of say he's trending in the right direction, certainly if he is in uh, full pads, but he wasn't going through everything and he was limited on Tuesday. But Justin Jacobs is a guy that I think Oregon's really going to need if they want to have their best defensive showing against Texas tech, because he was lauded for his coverage ability when he was over there at Iowa. And that's certainly something that Jeffrey Bossa looks like he should be pretty comfortable at maybe didn't look great against Portland state, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a, not a learning curve, but a, a gap to bridge anytime you put on that kind of weight, that's great. You hopefully don't want to be getting thrown around like he was quite a bit last year. But what I'm saying is that it takes a little bit of time, right, to, to get comfortable playing at that weight. You don't just go out there and move like it was the same weight you were playing at all of last season or or seasons prior. Didn't see a whole lot of Jamal Hill either, but we did see a, a decent amount of Connor Sowellee, the Arizona State transfer. So maybe we see some more of him. I think Oregon's linebacker core is, is still working out that rotation, but we're not really going to have a true feel for what that linebacker core looks like until they are at full strength and my bet is that they're going to have Justin Jacobs and Jeffrey Bossa once they do get to that point of being at 100% and having all those guys available. Devin Jackson did play a decent amount on Saturday. I thought he looked good in his limited reps, but this Texas Tech wide receivers core is going to be a really unique challenge for Oregon's defensive backs for their secondaries because Dan Landing flat out said it when he was asked specifically on Saturday about the secondary, just saying that those guys really weren't tested by Florida uh, Portland State, excuse me. So this is really Oregon's first test in a variety of ways, but I think maybe most of all for this defense and for this secondary. We saw guys like Nico Reed and Kyrie Jackson getting a lot of playing time on Saturday against Portland State, Triquez Bridges, Dante Manning as well. So what does this group look like and how do they look like? How do they look if they're able to add Evan Williams into the mix? I think again, some of these guys—it's—it's it's hard to see, it's hard to tell how serious, quote unquote, their injuries are. Like we said, it was good to see a lot of these guys full pads and full go. But if if some of these guys didn't play on Saturday against Portland State, I think it was because they had their eyes—the coaching staff had their eyes on that game in Week Two against Texas Tech. So I wonder if this—if this wide receiver—if this, excuse me, the cornerback rotation is going to get any more clarity in this game against Texas tech. I think maybe we don't see it necessarily this game, but after this game, when the ducks come back home to Eugene to play Hawaii, maybe we're going to see a little bit more clarity in that cornerback rotation after they play against Texas tech, because this is going to be the the best chance that the Oregon staff has to kind of grade these DBs against some quality wide receivers, some quality talent just to look at their wide receiver leaders from a season ago. Like we said, like Dan Lanning said, rather, they do have some really talented wideouts. Um, They had uh, Jerron Bradley, who led the team with 51 catches for 744 yards uh, and six touchdowns a season ago. You also had uh, Loic Fuanji, who had 34 catches for 451 yards and three touchdowns. So there's talent in this wide receiver core. Make no mistake about it. This is going to test the Oregon secondary in a big way when this thing kicks off on Saturday in Texas. Our next item here is kind of a big question, but Dan Lanning was asked what kind of challenges Texas tech provides on offense and defense. We're going to go ahead and start with what Lanning had to say about Texas tech's offense, then get into the defense and break it down. Starting with the offense, Lanning said, quote, yeah, their tempo on offense, their team that snaps as many snaps as anybody in college football, you're going to see they're going to be able to go really fast, really quick. They line up in a lot more stacks and bunches than any other team in college football. So you got to be sound in how you handle those rules. I think they had the most snaps and bunch alignments this past week of any team, any other team in college football. Offensively, that's a big piece of it. They really have the ability to kind of do two different offenses where they are wide open and then they get a tight end in the core and create can create some run game issues and some pass game issues. They do a great job of attacking down the field vertically, but they set that up with the way that they do screens and quick passes uh, and the quick passes some quick gains. So I think that's a piece that definitely shows up. So Oregon's going to get a bunch of different looks when it comes to their defense on Saturday, and they're going to be tested in terms of extending those long plays down the field, pushing the ball down the field. So that's where I think Oregon secondary is going to have to show up in a big way. And also the pass rush. I think that the pass rush didn't look as impressive as a lot of fans probably hoped. And a lot of people, quite frankly, expected against Portland State. But hey, with the way the Portland State quarterback was getting the ball out of the out of the pocket, out of his hands quickly, there's only so much you can do. I think Tyler Shuck, as experienced and as comfortable as he is, he's going to let some of those pass plays develop another second, another two seconds longer than we saw against the Vikings last week. He's going to be willing to take some hits in the pocket if it means he can try to get his ball to some of these really talented wide receivers. So I think the pass rush is going to give us a better look of what Oregon really looks like in that regard, and you're going to need a huge game out of Jordan Birch to hopefully – make it a long day for Tyler Shuck and the Red Raiders offense. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball and what Lanning saw from Texas Tech on tape. Quote, defensively, they're a pressure team, can see a lot of pressures from them. They find ways to pressure in unique ways. They do a good job of running the ball. They play with great effort. Effort shows up all over the film on special teams, and that's somewhere where they've been really good. They're aggressive in the return game. They're going to try to bring the ball out, and they've been able to create some explosive returns doing that yeah so I think defensively when you're looking at at Texas Tech they have some pretty talented guys up front I was watching their highlights against Wyoming and they have some big bodies in the trenches so I think that's probably one of the other areas at least when you're looking at the offense where Oregon's going to be tested in an area where they weren't tested against Portland State it's no secret that Oregon and Portland State do not match up on paper Portland State just doesn't have the kinds of bodies, the kinds of athletes that elite Terry and Mike Cavanaugh have along their offensive line, along their defensive line. So that's why part of the reason Oregon was able to just run the ball down Portland state's throats all day long, put up more than 300 yards through the air and on the ground. Maybe it's not going to be that easy. It shouldn't be that easy for Oregon to do what they did against Portland state when they faced Texas tech in uh, in week two, God darn, I'm having a crazy hair day here. Really should have just put some gel in my hair, but the show goes on. So Oregon's offensive line, they're going to be in for a big test, and they're probably going to be paving the way for Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington will probably be good to go after returning to practice on Tuesday. Jordan James as well. Jordan James spoke with the media on Tuesday afternoon, so going to be excited to see what he had to say to reporters following the Tuesday practice of Texas Tech Week getting a better feel for what Oregon's going to look like and what they're expecting when they hit the road for their first road test in their first overall test, but hostile road environment in Lubbock, which just transitions so beautifully to the fifth and final point of today's Oregon rundown. When Oregon hits the road and plays Texas Tech on Saturday, temperatures are forecasted to be in the hundreds. Uh, It's going to be, I'm actually going to look it up right now, the Lubbock, Texas weather forecast uh, for this game on Saturday. It's 100 degrees right now. It's about 1.30 on Tuesday afternoon as I record this. So let me go ahead and fast forward a little bit, if you will, to Saturday. So this game kicks off at about 2 p.m. local time for the Red Raiders and the Ducks. And it looks like at about between 1 and 2 It's looking like it's going to be about 97 degrees on Saturday. So not only is Oregon going to be playing in a hostile road environment uh, out out at uh, Jones AT&T, is that what it's called? Jones AT&T Stadium. It's going to be a hostile road environment, but they're also going to have to do battle with the heat and kind of some extreme temperatures. If you're under, if you're under 100, it's not quite extreme, but it's certainly not comfortable temperatures to be playing a game in. We all know that. I've been hitting the road the past couple of weeks out here in Southern California, and I went to the Inland Empire twice in these uh, first couple of weeks out to Corona and in the Inland Empire to see Modern Day versus Corona Centennial. Super hot in that game, and then Rancho Cucamonga against Norco. I think it was 95 when I got to Rancho Cucamonga before that game kicked off. So Dan Lanning was asked how he is preparing for the heat and the hostile environment. And he said, quote, yeah, well, I mean, there's not a lot I can do for the heat. I'm not going to make the guys wear parkas out to practice or anything (laughs) like that. At the end of the day, good, right? Good. We want a tough environment. We want to get a place that's going to be challenging like that. That's what, that's what, that's what excited about. That's what's exciting about college football When you get to a place where the fans are going to take care, uh, 6 p.m., they're going to be riled up. That's exciting for us. That's the kind of environment we want to play in. Beyond us preparing, that's all we got to do. So Dan Lanning's fired up. He knows that Oregon's going to be on the national stage, the national spotlight. And, And this is a game that isn't probably getting the recognition it deserves because there is a really, really loaded week two slate for or uh for college football you have uh, ohio state at notre dame you have clemson and florida state uh, among some of the the games alabama and texas i think that's another big game that that people are going to be watching this weekend so dan landing loves the environment and if he's fired up you know oregon's going to be fired up they got to show that they can really hang with the best of them and really take it to a a a Quality Power Five team, a quality Big 12 team in the Texas Red Raiders. I think they're one of the sleeper picks to win the conference this year in a, a conference that's consistently dominated by Texas and, and Oklahoma. I think Kansas State won it last year, I want to say, or maybe it was TCU, but a lot of good teams in that conference is the case in point. The last point I'm going to kind of uh, sprinkle in here as we start to wind down today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast is the early betting odds for Oregon against Texas Tech. Oregon is being picked as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, this according to the good folks over at SI Sportsbook. The over-under is set at 66-and-a-half points, and uh, the money line favors Oregon at minus 275. Texas Tech is plus 200 odds in the money line. So we'll continue to track those odds and see how they change as the week progresses, as the week goes on. But wanted to throw that in there for any of you, any of you betting fans out there with, with college football. There's plenty of chaos and the the betting markets. Las Vegas definitely cashes in on that one. So just some odds there to get your guys' week underway. I think that's going to do it for us on today's episode of the Oregon Rundown on the Ducks Dish Podcast. Do me a quick favor. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know how you're feeling about Oregon's matchup against Texas Tech. Important to follow me and lock in on all social media networks. I am at Sports on Twitter and Instagram, on YouTube, at OregonFootballMaxTaurus, and you can also read all of my written work covering the Ducks on the recruiting trail Just picked up a commitment from elite four-star linebacker Braden Platt out of Washington on Monday. And then, of course, you can find all my written work covering Oregon football over on ducksdigest.com. But that's going to do it for another episode. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to to talk some ball with me. And it should be a fun one out in Lubbock. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.